0: Hello and welcome to the Get Spanish Football News show. My name's Tommy Hay and this week I'm joined in Madrid once again by GSFN contributor Daniel O'Dwyer. What's to talk about today. Atletico went 10 points clear after beating Cadiz at the weekend 4-2. Levante won against Real Madrid 2-1 away at the Di Stefano and that heaped even more pressure on Zinedine Zidane. And the soap opera at Barca continues um, with the news on Sunday that the details of Messi's contract were leaked to the press. We're going to get into all of that later, well, just just in a second, but I feel obliged to start off with Sevilla today because I think they're worthy of some kind of praise, aren't they, Daniel?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot to talk about there. Their Copa del Rey form, the league form, I mean, they're sitting fourth in quite a nice position right now. They're one point behind Barca and Real and they're four points clear of Real, having played one less game than the four teams nearest them as well. So, I mean, they definitely don't look like they're dropping off or dropping any places anytime soon and I think they could definitely push push for, for higher up as well
0: this is it, well there's a definite gap as you say appearing between 4th and 5th uh, between uh, themselves and Villarreal and I'm I'm going to make a prediction on this show I'm, I'm, I always try to avoid making any kind of predictions, it's the same reason that I don't bet I'd never gamble in anything I don't like to, to place bets but I think if you look at the way the Sevilla are playing this season, the potential they have as well, I would bet I think that they're going to finish maybe in the top 3 I think they could finish third ahead of Barcelona.
1: Yeah, I mean even looking at there's there's absolutely no reason they can't. I mean they play Barcelona at the end of this month, the twenty eighth of February, and the three games before that, I think they've got they've got Katafi and Huesca at home and then Osasuna away and all very winnable. And then you think if they win the three of those and then they get any kind of result, even a draw against Barcelona, they'll be putting putting serious pressure on. I mean they're yeah, they're exciting to watch, but defensively as well
0: they've been they've been unbelievable it is incredible the defensive record isn't it yeah. uh, just in the cup and in the league uh, the, the only team that's better than them in the league is, is Atletico they've got yeah. the second best defensive record in the league Lopetegui did have a few problems at the outset of this season and I think it's worth mentioning that not everything's been fantastic for them I think they have struggled um, to find a satisfactory replacement for for Benega. I think Ra- Rakitic has, has come in and he's been consistent enough as we all kind of knew he was, he was going to be but he's not the same player as Manega, and I don't think they've been able to replace that going forward and I think that's probably the only area that they've really struggled in uh, this season defensively as you say they've been uh, they've been amazing they look like a team that know how to play together some of the football we're going to talk about this later but some of the football they've been playing in recent games particularly against Valencia uh, away last time just absolutely incredible so it looks like a team that's you know, they, they work as a real cohesive whole and they look um, they look really, really good. Some incredible stats as well. They've 12 wins this season, three draws uh, and and five losses in the league. Their away record, I think, is stuff of champions. And that's part of the reason I think they could they could really finish in, in the top three. If you look at their wins, they, they've won, I'm going to bring the cup into this as well, but they've, they've won uh, away against Cadiz. They've won away against uh, Huesca, Getafe, Lucena in the, Cop, uh, in the Copa del Rey. Valencia, Linares in the Copa del Rey Leganes in the Copa del Rey Alaves, Ebar, Almeria uh, just there on on Tuesday night as well they've drawn in the league uh, away to to Barca and Betis and they've lost uh, away to Granada Athletic and and Atletico but that away record is amazing they've also won in the Champions League against Krasnodar and uh, Rennes away yeah, the that stuff of champions that and yeah, it. so like it's like if they could add a little bit more to that, um, they could really be. This is why I think they could be in the top three.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. And even yeah, the away record yeah in the league since since they since they lost to to Bilbao to my boys Bilbao on on, <laughs> on, on, on Halloween, they've only dropped points against against Betis and, and Atletico. And just to mention the defensive record as well in the Copa del Rey, they haven't they haven't conceded a goal yet. And now, like you say, yeah, like can they with the with the form they're in and everything they've. Restrengthen
0: the squad with, with papu Gomez as well which is an unbelievable signing probably probably the signing of the window I think it has to be the, the setting of the window I, I don't think you can I don't think there's any, anything else that really eclipses that we'll get into that later talking about how this has been a fairly inactive uh, transfer yeah. window in the grand scheme of things um but yeah papu Gomez exactly the point I made earlier about the the lack of a replacement for Benega, I think it's going to take a huge amount of pressure off a of Rakitic. Uh, in terms of filling Benegas' boots, because he can now just focus on on being the player that that he usually is. He's not trying to replace somebody else. You've got Papu Gomez in there, who's going to create goals, going to create chances for you. Had a great had a great record at Atalanta, and really he was the he was a target for a lot of really top clubs as yeah. we as we said last week, and he's ended up at Sevilla. I think the the second half of the season, it, it, on paper, it looks like it's going to work. Could be famous last words um because you know sometimes things don't work out the way the way that they should in theory but I'm feeling pretty pretty confident about Sevilla. Yeah, he's I mean he's he's an unbelievably creative player. He's had the most
1: most assists in Serie A since 2014-15 season, which is unbelievable. And hopefully he'll provide a bit of service for for Nesri, who's been in outrageous form. Like he's he's on 12 goals now in the league. Only Suarez is ahead of him and that's that's already the mo- his highest tally in the league. In, that he's that he's had for um, for Sevilla. I mean, in the last four seasons, going back, he scored eight, nine, four, and one in the last four seasons. He's already on twelve, and I saw an unbelievable stat. He uh, he's the first player to score two hat tricks in the league in the same month since <laughs> Lionel Messi in April 2018. Wow! So that's that's some stats. So I mean, if he keeps if he keeps firing
0: on all cylinders, then yeah, they'll be going they'll be going places. But, uh, and a player who had been written off by some sections of the media and, and, and even the fans as well had, had written him off last season so it's great to see him coming in into this and we all, we always knew he was capable of producing moments of magic but he's brought a level of consistency to this game now which I think is uh, really exciting so hopefully if you're a Sevilla fan uh, he won't go off the boil and they will continue to, to grow. Let's move on to the papers. Now, you've continued with the tradition of bringing a, a newspaper with you, so thank to be you for done. that. Yeah, It has to be, yeah, all, has to be done. I will look on the cover again. <laughs> and it is, and it's, it's a pretty good point that we're, we're going to get into later of um, just Real Madrid's defensive uh, frailties. They lost at the weekend uh, against against Levante at home. They, did, they were a man down. Um, Militao gets sent off. Marca, though, perhaps, as you'd expect, <laughs> are taking aim at Madrid players who they feel... Uh, are to blame for the recent slump and I think I've noticed about the, the press here when Madrid lose is that they take as much aim at, at players who aren't playing than players who are playing. Like for example it was Bale last season, he was, when, when Madrid weren't playing well at certain moments Bale was getting it because he wasn't playing enough. Yeah. So he, he's the target This week it seems to be Isco and uh, Marca had an article on Tuesday that was uh, El Tunel de Isco which is Tottenham looks like a rough patch, so he scores a rough patch. Three months without a start in La Liga, 13 minutes in the Champions League and no offers from big clubs. And it talks about the fact that the last two starts he's had for Madrid have been disastrous, 4-1 defeat away to Valencia and obviously against Alcoyano yeah. was, he, was, was the other start <laughs> yeah, the, had? the pitch, The pitch didn't do him any favours that night. <laughs> Definitely not, he was shanking shots left, right and centre. So just comments on the fact that he's not had a start in the big games and when he has it's been sort of mixed results. Um, it also comments on the fact that he didn't look happy after that home defeat to, to Levante it suggests not for the first time I might add that this might not be there might not be a way back for hes gonna. Um, you can see at the first glance that the fact he wasn't used was tactical. Um, at the end of the day you don't know why managers take certain decisions but he, he didn't even warm up the other day which is like a you know yes, b- bit of not a, a sign. not a good sign at all and um, they also rightly point out that uh, Sergio Arribas who's a, a youth player, he's 19 years old another centre midfielder was chosen ahead of him to come on so it doesn't really look good for, um, for East Coast particularly there's also an article about Azard, Azard no Centena, not not training today um, again, this guy has kind of suffered with injuries for the for the last for the last well his he's entire time at Madrid. The new the new bail hazard the, the the new the new scapegoat not not
1: necessarily the scapegoat but the man, new injured just, scapegoat. Yeah, he's yeah new, exactly.
0: He's a new injured scapegoat, yeah, and, and and it seems to be that he's just it, this guy. is strange because his, his career at Chelsea was marked by how often he played. Yeah, he was almost never injured. That's it. He just hasn't seen a run of
1: games, and it's just yeah. You you got to feel for the lad because I mean he's he's an unbelievable player, but. Yeah, because of injuries, just not getting run of games, he hasn't shown it at all, and I mean, he's the, the newest subject to the, the fans' abuse around Madrid. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's but, it. But on the game as well, I mean, there was, yeah, it was an unbelievable result for Levante, who are actually there. They, they've they been a bit of a bogey team for Real, and the, the last four seasons they've shared the points. Like, the last three seasons, they've each won a game, and four seasons ago they drew both games, so... I don't know it's it's interesting because yeah Levante are a team that Real Madrid should be turning over every time really, but um the, oh, the game yeah it was it was a great game I mean obviously the red card red card from Milito had an impact but
0: thought, it did but it didn't ruin the game yeah I didn't ruin the game can.
1: Not at all but Levante were like, they were they were unbelievable like even before the goals like um, Courtois Courtois made a couple of unbelievable saves from from Roger Marti there was one mm-hmm. double save and then then Morales scored that. Uh, the first goal to put them level, which was like a scissor kick from a cross, it was a great goal. And then when they were at one all, then Courtois saved a penalty from Marty as well. Yeah. So I mean, they still could have got away with a point, but then Marty um, made up for that, and yeah, he, there was a cross went in. He kind of flicked it up to himself
0: and volleyed into the far corner. So it was yeah, it was a great great result for them. All the goals were great as well in that yeah. game. Even Madrid's goal as well. That the pass from Benzema is just. He, he takes out about four players with one pass. You know, really, really good. And I think we'd be talking about that had Madrid they to, had, had yeah, they yeah. held on to that. But no, certainly um, the two goals. Morales' fantastic finish. You know, the the fact that he's able to control that this kind of scissor kick. Yeah, it was and like it, half volley as well. It, it bounces before, yeah. Right, it bounces before he kicks it, so it yeah. just kind of makes the finish even better. And Marty, the way that they work that goal and you could say well they're playing against 10 men but they work that goal from a corner playing short passes from a corner against Real Madrid yeah. they went for it they didn't think they didn't they weren't overwhelmed by the possibility of oh god we could maybe beat them here because I think it's right as you point out they have been a bogey team or a, what was it the phrase used earlier a banana skin B- a banana <laughs> banana peel team as <laughs> that's peel. What my mother used to say about Arsenal and a few few teams <laughs> and a few teams yeah Stoke would be a classic Arsenal uh, banana skin yeah. team but I, I think Levante definitely are um, they've they've gone from a situation where they were losing like eight 0 at the Bernabeu a couple of years ago to now it, it, you know you would fancy their chances against them so this is the thing that they looked confident enough they didn't look like a team who are who are going to be from my predictions going to be smack bang in the middle of the table probably for the rest yeah. of the what do you think you're you're a bit of a, a bit of a levante fan yourself got a soft spot for levante yeah um but just through time I've spent in the city and stuff like that, I, I, I do like them, but they're they're just like I heard the Spanish commentator saying uh, at the, the weekend there that they're a bit like a student who aims for a C, you <laughs> know, just trying to pass the great, ju- great analogy, <laughs> just trying to pass the exam. Now it's not through it's not through lack of effort or anything, but it's just the fact that I, I don't think they've they've got it in them to kind of be chasing European spots at the moment. I think they're just they're 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 going to be mid table, but. They played like a like a team that was chasing um, chasing European positions at the yeah. weekend. They did very very well, and it's, it's not. Hard to watch. Yeah, and they, they dominated possession. You know, they were against ten men, but they, you're still playing Real Madrid. So, like, full credit to them. Do you think that do you think that result leaves Zidane in, in a bit of trouble? It's kind of been a been a roller coaster up and down all season for Zidane. I think he's just so good at being in hot water. The yeah. guy, he just knows how to deal with it. Uh, how many times have we said this? We mentioned it uh, the last last time, just when when it looked like well, a, a few weeks ago after the Champions League loss to, to Shakhtar, he's in hot water. All the newspapers are saying this game against Gladbach is his final.
1: Yeah, in that in that week he beat
0: Sevilla first, then Gladbach,
1: and then let it go. And yeah, I think every every, every, every time every time he's in trouble, yeah, the players seem to perform, they seem to get the results. So. We just threat, threaten to sack them every week, and they'll win the league and the Champions League and do the treble.
0: I definitely think there's something psychological that happens. you know, as we say, as I say on 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 this show regularly, I, I was never a professional football player. That's why I'm sat here and not yeah. <laughs> and not doing that. But I think there is something that happens. Um, I heard Arsene Wenger a few years ago talking about this. He said he never lost three games in a row at Arsenal. Ever. That's an unbelievable start. But he never lost three games in a row. He said something always happened in the third game where the the players almost sensed I was in trouble, and they pulled something out of the hat for me. And I think Zidane has the ability to kind of do that as well with his players. They when it really matters, they 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 seem to turn it on for him. So that they're away to Wesker uh, this this weekend. Again, if something bad was to happen there, you know he would be in serious hot water. But you just get the the feeling that they maybe will pull it out the put out the hat there again for him So it's interesting as well you wonder I don't know you wonder if Zidane gets a
1: bit more leeway just with his club legend status and the three champions leagues and that as well maybe yeah. if it were another manager they might they might already be gone by now but maybe he gets that extra kind of that extra little bit of time to fix things just because of what he's done as a yeah. player and a manager at the club but yeah it'd be interesting to see if he's there next season anyway yeah, yeah. The season unfolds
0: yeah that's it yeah well, a lot of people think he, he might not be but yeah we'll, we'll leave that for another day um, Koeman we're going to talk about this now. Dario as., uh, I've been talking about the interview that he did with Alan Shearer for The Athletic. Um, I thought this was a really interesting interview. Like Shearer did really well asking the, asking the right questions and probably for the first time this season... I think Koeman was coming up with saying all the right things in many ways and we also learned a few interesting things from it
1: yeah I mean yeah it was it was a great interview I mean it was it was kind of it was refreshing to see a, a manager in this day and age at a club like Barcelona just to see how how open and honest he was I mean you think in general that managers kind of need to play their cards pretty close to their chest not give anything away yeah kind of yeah not give not give real answers but I mean he was very honest I mean there's yeah there's a lot to talk about here but Firstly, like regarding Messi, when asking about Messi if he's going to stay in that, he said the quote was, "I'm I'm hopeful but not confident that Messi will stay," which is I, I was kind of I, I was surprised, but yeah, like I say, it was refreshing that he came out with that rather than just kind of the fake. oh, he's he could have just said he's our player, he's with us for now, he's fully committed to the club, and kind of avoided the question. But he was kind of he was very honest
0: about it. Yeah, no, he, he's he's almost like a character foil for Zidane because Zidane there was a back at the end of last year, I think it was November, December, uh, it was a Spanish journalist said, he doesn't like to talk much about very many things. <laughs> it's just a brilliant, brilliant quote. I can't remember who it was. It was uh, Carlos Martinez or somebody from from the radio. He doesn't like to talk very much about very many things. is not like that at all. Koeman's prepared to come out and sort of, he's fun, you know, criticise referees and talk about his players. And, and you know, he, he, he gives you a lot for for... For, for what modern football is. Um, yeah. I, th- I think we, we we have become slightly accustomed to these kind of insipid, boring responses from, from managers, and, and it's refreshing to see and just sort of on the scene. And this uh, this article was uh, was really, really good. You mentioned that quote, hopeful but not confident that, that Messi will stay. Um, I think that's amazing that he's come out and said yeah, that. Yeah, it's crazy with, with everything that's going on
1: with the club, with the, the presidential election and everything, and everyone basing, trying to... Say that Messi is still the future of the club, and then <laughs> when the manager coming out and saying that, but he has a few other interesting things. I mean, as well, he talks about the kind of with there not being a president, a lot of responsibility falling on him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, he when he when he first came to the club as well, and there was the issues with Messi and the president and that, and he said, I think the quote where well, you said like. Look, this is this was this is between this is a problem between mm. Messi and the football club. Like it's it's up to you, sort it out. It's not my
0: problem. He's been very good at that, I think. Um and I've been struck by the ability that he's shown to I don't want to use the expression, to avoid taking responsibility, but in the best possible sense, I think to distance himself is probably the right turn of phrase. To distance himself for what's happening behind the scenes in terms of contracts with players, in terms of the presidential situation, in terms of even conversations about the managerial position that, that don't involve him. Because that's been a big part of the of the, the, the candidate's race, as is myself and Reese spoke about last week. Some of the candidates are already talking about who they're gonna bring in to replace Cooman while well, the guy's yeah, still in the job. So the he's been able to just distance himself from that. Um in fact Diero asked that the the article focused on the fact that Cooman went to went to Messi's house. Um, and he reveals this to Alan Shearer in the interview. He went to his house and he basically had a very f- candid conversation with him saying, Listen, um I know that you have problems with your contract in the club. I know you're not happy with certain things. I'm not part of this. This is your decision and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna interfere. So he told that to, to Messi and he also when he when he accepted the job, conscious of the fact that Messi was wasn't happy about certain things, he told him directly, This is a problem between the club, you and and the player, you have to resolve it. Yeah. Which is something that I think, if you contrast that with the previous manager, Setien, a manager with less experience, a manager that had no profile with the club, this is someone who couldn't really afford to behave like that. He couldn't really afford to come out and, and say and distance himself from certain responsibilities. You always had the impression with Setien and the staff that and Sarabia, you know, they're in his team, that they were almost just happy to be there. And I think this consequently got him and his, and his team lumped in with the general circus around the club. Koeman, by contrast, I think he knows he can get away with certain things. Yeah. Um, he, he, he said this year in the, in the, in, in the interview that he, he said, I know the club, I know the people, I know the city. I know I'm an idol for the fans. I know they love me. I scored their first ever goal in the final of the European Cup. So I've got this profile. I can get away with stuff. Basically he says it.
1: Yeah, that's it as well. I mean, he's he's a club legend as a player, so I mean, he can he can get away with a few more things than other other uh, other managers could. But uh, it's interesting, yeah. Kind of he's distancing himself from some situations, but he also he'll also take responsibility for the decisions that are his. I mean, obviously, what happened with Suarez at the start of the season. I mean, they let Suarez go to Atletico Madrid, and. I mean he says yeah he says in the interview like it would have been better it would have been better if he went to Juventus or something like that but at the end of the day you have to respect the player which is also admirable to see because plenty of managers would have just forced him out I mean I know Costa was going to have to pay a ridiculous fine if he joined a, a Champions League rival or a La Liga rival mm. and uh, I mean it's it's good to see, but obviously it, it hasn't it hasn't paid off with Suarez being top scorer in the league and Atletico sitting 10 points clear with a game in hand. But then, I mean, the quote as well, he does take responsibility for that. The quote says, he says, you need to make these decisions, but if it goes well, because if it goes well, then it's okay. But if it doesn't go well, then it needs to be my way.
0: And that's the most important thing. So, I mean, he's kind of assuming full responsibility. He's owning the decision. Yeah. He's running the decision, which is uh, something as well. It's just that, it, that he came across very, very well in, in that interview. A thing that uh, isn't touched on so much is the the Messi situation because it, it was only on Sunday this came out about his contract. Um, it's been a big thing in the in, in the press on, on Sunday and, and particularly Monday. It was it was absolutely massive, uh, massive deal. Why? Just just to give you a brief overview, the details of Messi's contract were leaked, and we got to see some of the. The money he's earning, some of the, some of the um, circumstances that he's that he's going to be working under. This caused a lot of controversy. We'll get into the whole privacy issue later, but first of all, why did this generate so much controversy in terms of money, for example?
1: I mean, all you have to do is look at the look at the figures. It's it's absolutely astonishing. It's so from when he signed his last last contract, so from June June 2017 to June this year, 2021, he'll have earned 555 million, which comes out at 138 a year, which, I mean, it's just, there's never been a contract like that in sports, in in sports history ever. And, I mean, I was kind of just playing around, having some fun with the figures, and I calculated last night that... uh, (laughs) When, when he goes to bed at night, let's say, let's say he gets eight hours sleep a night, when he wakes up in the morning, he'll have earned 125 grand in that time. In his sleep. In his sleep. So that's <laughs> that's, that's not bad. I mean, yeah, people are obviously just going crazy because, I mean, there's always chat about footballers' greed and mm. how much money they earn and, and that. But I mean, it is an absolutely astonishing amount of money, but... I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't be bad mouthing the man himself. I mean it's not it's not entirely his, it's not his fault. Like the, the club should never have agreed to pay him that wage. And yeah. I mean there's other problems at the club as well, like without like well, I mean obviously they they owe one point one billion. We could talk with that as well. It's a separate point. That mm-hmm. they're the, the debt they're in nearly bankrupt and half of that would be on Messi's contract, but at the same time they've spent 400 million more or less on on Dembele, on Coutinho and Griezmann combined and they haven't really reaped their rewards as much and then a couple of other little things i mean this is this is just unfortunate but that they had to pay pay uh, Liverpool 5 million uh a bonus for Coutinho for winning Coutinho. the league when he was on loan at Bayern because nothing was specified but who'd have who'd have thought you'd have to specify that in the contract
0: yeah i know because it just it is it, there are so many things we could do about two episodes of this on Barca, just yeah. on Barca. It's just that it's, uh, it's been a constant feature the last couple of years, particularly at the end of the Bartomeu presidency. Um, Bartomeu actually has been at the centre of this just when you thought the guy was gone from, from public life. He, he has been accused of leaking the contract uh, by people. Now, we have to stress at this moment that there's, there's actually no evidence for this at all, and he's not happy about it. Uh, he came out and said it's a very serious issue, and it's totally illegal to leak professional contracts. So he knows how, how serious he is, uh, how how serious this is. of uh, quotes Bartomeu was saying, speaking on TV and making accusations is easy, but it's not a joke, and this will end up in court. So he's pretty pretty raging about the, the whole thing, and as you would be, as you would be, you know, like he's he's he suffered enough, the poor man, and I think you know, <laughs> you know whatever you think of his. Uh, of his decisions as president. Uh, you don't deserve to be harassed, you know, in, in, in this manner. So it looks like this we, we haven't heard the, the end of this. Certainly the money that the mess is earning and stuff like that, that that's a separate issue. But the leak of the contract I think is probably the thing that I reckon people should be most up up, up in arms about. We all know that footballers earn massive sums of money. That's not really big news. Yeah. It's not a shock um, yeah. And if we were gonna be playing devil's advocate Again, it's it's been pointed out in uh, by several newspapers the amount that the guy does contribute in tax to the Spanish state and things like that. So there's it's not just as simple as look how much he's earning. You know, there's there are various things to this. He, he pays a lot of tax as well. So yeah, I mean that's that's the thing
1: as well. As much as as much as it sounds crazy to to say that Messi could well be worth this amount of money, I mean <laughs> there's a strong argument for it. One issue, one thing is you said how much tax he pays. To the government and that as well, but I was reading in, in La Marca, um, there's an economist, uh, Ivan Cabeza, que, who um, he estimated that Messi brings in between 130 and 200 million every year. I mean, there's a couple of things you have to think about. Like, he's very sure that Messi's Messi's income, Messi's earnings, doesn't exceed what he generates for Barcelona. But as, as a club and as a city, I mean, uh, it said in the, in the paper that um, eight out of every nine shirt sales. For Barcelona has Messi on the back and the shirt sales alone bring in twenty million. They've estimated that well, I'm not sure I'm not sure how they've estimated this, but apparently five five to ten percent of tourists that go to Barcelona go mainly because of the club and that Messi is a huge
0: factor in that. And doesn't surprise me. Yeah, not at all. You've been there, you know, you know what it's like. It's, it's it revolves. You go to every street corner, there's Barcelona merchandise. It's, it's a massive part of not just Barcelona, Catalonia spain but there's a massive global brand so i think yeah that definitely does and and kuman alludes to that in the interview as well how much money they've lost out on to do with covid and things the lack of tourists and things um, that people come in that's the thing about it i mean as well yeah like everyone will say oh
1: you know they owe this much money and messi's this much part of it but um, yeah that's the thing at the same time if it weren't for if it weren't for the pandemic and that they'd have 90, 98,000 fans. Well, they're not, not going to fill every game, but they'd have a lot of fans at yep. at every game. They'd have a lot of people coming to visit the stadium, buy jerseys, more tourists in the city. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be such a talked about issue. This this debt and yep. as well off not regard well. It's regarding regarding money as well, but just as a fans' point of view and for the club, like since Messi's joined the club, they've won thirty six percent of the titles they've won in its history. So, I mean. I don't really think you can quantify the, the value of Lionel Messi, in my opinion, but I don't know, maybe, maybe other people would, would say differently.
0: That's the thing, and, and the debate can go around the circles as well. Again, the the tax thing, obviously, it's been well documented. Messi's had issues with tax in the past as well, so that's the other side of the argument. You could go on all day talking about this and the contribution he makes to Spain, to Barcelona and all that. I think what's undoubt, un, undoubted is this contribution on the field is... It's about as worthwhile an investment you're ever going to get at any club, ever. So, Absolutely. you know, I think you can you can say that. Anyway, the debate on that one continues. Let's talk about Atletico. Um, 4-2 win against Cadiz. They're not the easiest game for them. It, it, it sounds, if you just look at the result, it sounds easier than, easier than what it actually was. Cadiz put up a pretty good fight uh, against a really good Atletico team. They did,
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's kind of, it's exciting to see this Atletico team. I mean, talk about Suarez in a minute anyway but his free kick unbelievable yeah unbelievable about 30 yards out and then he scored the penalty but kind of an Atletico of a couple of years ago might have might have sat on that 1-0 might have sat back and just held on to that 1-0 and seen the game out for for the rest of the for the rest of the 60 minutes odd um, but this Atletico team just pushing forward looking to score more goals maybe that's partly why they conceded a couple of goals but at the same time, you can't fault their defensive record. They've got the best defensive record in Europe. Yeah. They've they've only conceded ten goals, and the closest to them in Europe of the European leaders is, is City with thirteen. So. Two against and a former City player at that as well. Negredo scored two. What did you What did you make of his his performance?
0: Oh, it was great. Like just great to see the guy. I, I think he's been fantastic since coming back, and uh, I'm just so happy to see him back there enjoying his football. And he was a pain in the backside for them the entire afternoon. They looked really rattled by them by him at certain points. He was drawing fouls. He obviously, could get, gets himself the goals, but he was drawing fouls. He was causing problems for them. And for a guy his age, just great to see. Um, great to see him there, and great to see Caddy going out and taking the game to Atletico as well. They were at home, but you're playing the league leaders, and yeah. they they didn't they didn't sit back and try and scrape something. They really really went for it. So great to see Caddy. I think they're doing. It's true that they've dropped off slightly. They had a really explosive start to the season. Did very well. Great results against Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, they could just, as easily just have easily had a a win against Atletico at the oh. weekend. It, it was it was that close at times. The way the way the game went. Yeah. I
1: mean. Like four two four two was a result, but let's say the penalty doesn't happen. That's one goal gone. Say So Saul's goal. There was a serious serious element to look to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was he was, it was just trying to get something on it, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, it was a cross from Lamar, and he just kind of gets a foot to it. I mean, there's no way there's no way he's intending for it to kind of loop up into the air into the far corner. I mean, it was it was a, a good finish, but a slightly accidental finish.
0: They also had a pretty good penalty shout. Coke comes out, and it's not given for handball because Koke's arm is planted, it's his left arm is planted on the ground. Apparently, the, I didn't, I actually didn't know this until until I watched the game on Sunday. If your left arm is planted on the ground to break a fall, it can't be handball. And you see Koke, when he goes in, slides, falls on his backside basically, and uses his arm to break the fall of the ball hits off his arm, clearly, but it's not a penalty. I
1: couldn't believe that. Yeah. When I saw that I thought that was definitely a penalty and then yeah, I remember you telling me about
0: that rule and It's a strange one.
1: It makes uh, makes some sense, but I don't I don't think I fully agree with it at the yeah. same time. Yeah,
0: but I know I know you from talking talking to you about football, other things in football, you're a you're a stick for the rule. So if it's a rule, that's it. I yeah. i mean, yeah, I don't have a problem with the decision, I've got a problem with the rule. Yeah, but that's it. I, I mean it is that a rule that a player could use to their advantage probably not but I don't, um, I don't know there could be a way that, that's why it's there I think these are the debates for the summer how can you improve the, the rules that already exist it's an imperfect thing the VAR's imperfect you know lots of things are imperfect about it that's the reason didn't get it I think Caddy will maybe feel a bit hard done by but Athletico as you say really really um, unbelievable. really really unbelievable just, really, really 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 top team and you know the thing is as well you touched on this just there just how good they are in a European context I think a lot of people have been saying okay let's let it go they're ten points clear, they've got a game in hand, but look at the quality of the opposition there. Look look at how the big two are doing. They're not they're not what they were. Look at them in a the European context as well. Compare them to other European teams. That's it. You I mean know. I've got I've got a, a couple of couple of nice stats here from, from La Marca as well from On the Europe. article. That uh
1: yeah, of the of the Euro, in the European leagues they've got the highest percentage of, of wins, which is at eighty four point two percent. closest is Bayern. You think Bayern would be would be top of that considering, not, not saying a bad word about the German league, but kind of, they'd probably be the most dominant with regards to their league, more or less. And, the, and in, in, the, in recent years? Yeah, you'd probably say so. But, I mean, yeah. they're, they're at 73.6%, so more than 10 cent below them. Mm-hmm. Then I mentioned the defensive record. And also, yeah, with points as well. I mean, they've got, they're on 50 points now in 19 games, which is equaling their highest tally, which was 2013-14 when they won the league. And the closest to them in in Europe's top five leagues is Lille with forty eight points, two points off, but they've played three games more. So I mean, yeah, you can talk about Atletico this, Atletico that, but when you look at it in a European context, they're they're by, still by, by far and large the best team, like defensively and attacking, and it's just oh, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and we, and we were t- we were talking about how good Sevilla were before. Yeah. Defending, so we can't praise Sevilla on one hand and then not praise Atletico. You know, you've you've got you've got to give credit where credits due. I think they've been, I think they've been great. They've had the odd slip up. I think perhaps the game against the the, the Madrid derby. I think Simeone maybe approached that one wrong. The the way that he, the way that he set up. You know, I think they'll maybe take that into account next time. And I think you you you've got to fancy them to 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 win the league now. There there have been so there have been so many indicators that that suggest that this team's different from Simeone teams of previous of, of previous years, and um, you would have to say that they're all eight like favourites now. Absolutely, ten yeah. points clear, and it goes without saying, really. I was something I was kind of I was doubting for a while at the start of the
1: season, but as the weeks as the weeks go on, they just look looks like more and more of a sure thing, and yeah, now I, I think it's it's theirs now the... Yeah, if they if they won the league and, and Suarez got the Pachichi that'd be great. But like you say, yeah, they've, the odd slip up. I think we watched we watched the the Madrid derby together actually, and mm-hmm. yeah, maybe maybe Simeone didn't go about it perfectly, but I think in that game as well, in Madrid, were Madrid were just quality as well. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a big part of the, part of the loss there.
0: They did well, you know. Yeah. Madrid Madrid approached it and, and played well and. The, the good thing is like for, from Simeone like last year he had that cushion of saying it's a year of transition um, and now he's you know he can say now okay this is what we've evolved into and you have to say he, he was right I think Koeman's trying to do the same thing and going back to him the article with, with Shearer he says that as well. We're in a year of transition. I think the difference is at Barcelona, you're not allowed a year of transition. That's, yeah, that's what he was saying. <laughs> and yeah. Atletico, you kind of, you know, you kind of can get one. So yeah, really, really, um, really, really good stuff from, from Atletico and from Cadiz, who just narrowly missed out. Let's move on to the transfer window. And we've left this to a little bit later than what we normally do. We usually start off with transfers was, with, during the transfer season. I was expecting this to take up
1: the whole podcast today, yep. to be honest about this. But what happened? I mean, the, the talking point is probably the lack of talking points. <laughs> I mean, like to put it into context, I mean, obviously we knew, we knew COVID and the pandemic was going to have a huge effect. But I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. Like in the Premier League, for example, it's the, it's the lowest amount in a window in nine years. But, so they've spent 70 million in total. And just to put that into context, three years ago, Liverpool spent more on Van Dijk than the 20 teams
0: have spent this year. In, t- in total I mean it's COVID isn't it I mean yeah. there's no other there's no logical explanation for it exactly for, for the, for the Premier things. League Brexit might have had a small
1: small impact as well but COVID for, for in the for the, in the world in general and that but um, I
0: think very much like Brexit in general I think a lot of the things and again we don't want to get too into the politics of I think a lot of the negative impact of Brexit will be masked by the fact that there's COVID just now as well I think at least in the initial stages the initial shock, you know, the world is weird just now, so it's difficult to measure exactly what the impact of Brexit would be uh, specifically. But I think, I think the overriding thing has to be COVID. Even if you look back to the summer, the the majority of the the transfers in Spain, the, or the ones that were most noteworthy, at least were internal things. Yeah, yeah. Everything, was... everything's internal. Everything's loan deals. Like, I uh, don't. The standout is probably. I
1: mean, the standout is, is Papu Gomez. I think without shadow, is it? And then Getafe, as a club, I've done, I've done all right business, bringing, in, well, good business, bringing in Alenia and Kubo Unknown mm-hmm. from from Barca and Real. But I mean, yeah, for for a lot of teams as well. I mean, despite speaking a bit about Premier League as as an Arsenal fan, for yeah. for some of the teams, it was it was about getting players off the books. It was they were more focused on getting players out of the club than into the club. Yeah, which which is a, a strange thing to see. Um, and then yeah, a lot of loan deals. I mean, Odegaard as well um, yeah. to Arsenal is is. I think that's a great signing. I mean, look, yeah, looking at him last season, how he was for Sociedad, absolutely unbelievable. And he yeah. kind of fills that void of the the creative midfielder that we need. Although it's it's harsh, not harsh, but it, I hope he doesn't walk into that team ahead of Smith Rowe because he's been absolutely unbelievable.
0: We got ten minutes the they didn't About he came on, yeah, seconds. seven
1: minutes. I think yeah, eighty third minute or so against United. And I mean it was seven minutes, he didn't know all that much, but he looks looks good. But yeah.
0: it just be interesting to see what happens with that because Smith Rowe's been an unbelievable player for the he, last month and a half. Well, he was magnificent last season at at and at Vitesse he was good as well. Yeah. Uh, he's just he's 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 more experienced what his age and what his profile would, would have you believe. He's he's uh, I think he's is he the finished article? I don't know, but he's he's uh I would say he is. Again we were talking about Tierney the last time. I think if there's a, a lack of knowledge about where the guy's been, where the guy's come from, you could say, oh, he's a young prospect and stuff like that. Tierney was the finished article before he left Celtic to go to Arsenal. Absolutely. He captained the club, he scored in the Champions League against Manchester City. won God knows how many leagues in his time there and all that. But if you're not watching that league, you don't know. And I think that's not to criticise the watchers of the English League or the English League in general, but I think there's a there's a slight lack of interest sometimes in other leagues and I think you could apply that to the Dutch League I've got, I'll have i hold my hands up I'm not watching the Dutch League too often <laughs> um, maybe 10 years ago I used to watch a bit of it when it was on Satanta Sports I, I would watch a little bit of the Dutch League and um, and the Spanish League if you're not watching the Spanish League uh, week in week out you wouldn't have known how good Odegar was last season kind of thing and I think he's, he was well within his right to take that move out to to Arsenal because he, he was the main man at Sotheida last season I think it's more than um, more than within, within his right to do that. In many ways, actually, I think that this transfer window in Spain has been about the people who have left and the people who yeah, have come I in. Mean, if, you, if you look at the
1: top clubs, I mean, Barca, Barca and Real have only had players leave on loan, and that they haven't. They haven't had anyone come in. Atletico have have restrengthened a bit with with Dembele for the for the departure of Costa and that. So that's that's good for them. But yeah, it's been all about players leaving. Jose. William Jose, yeah who had an impact got got ava Louis sent off and won a pen there last night yeah. to beat Arsenal um on a on a on another on a on a on a different note my my barber who's a, a massive felt ego fan <laughs> is was quite happy to see Turkish midfielder okay yokuslu leave leave on loan to West Brom can't say he's a player I know all that much about but uh I don't know my, according to my barber anyway he he cares a bit more about off the field matters than playing football.
0: He's very, he's very kind of involved in politics and things like yeah. that in Turkey. So I mean, it's that's that's a really interesting guy. We need to do a deep dive on that on that player, despite the fact that he's left. I kind of want to learn a bit more about him because it's it's one of these guys I just didn't know about when he was at Felta. Very much. But your um, your barber's a massive kind of huge Feltista. Huge fan. My my Thelta correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> I need to need to visit this guy at some point. Um. Okay, well, moving on from the the lack of activity in the in the transfer window, I think uh, a good thing to go on to, which is a, a good recap of the season so far, is the goal of the season so far. Now, because because we've this is the halfway point now, so like we, I think we can we can sort of start to think about these things. There's one clear winner, isn't there, for the goal of the season? And I think anyone who, I think everybody who who's seen it knows what I'm talking about. There is um, and. <laughs> This is going to sound like a, a very, very severe bias
1: uh, Pod, podcast, yeah. but uh, I mean, just that, that's a goal. You just, you, you can't look past that. It was like the, the build up was unbelievable. There were 37 passes. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe as well when Keeper kicked it out. Well, I I was sure it was going out for a throw-in and I think, I think it was Acuna. I'm not sure.
0: Just keeps it in
1: just keeps it in I mean he must have been he must have been out himself and he jumped as high as he would just to keep the ball in let alone direct a header at a player which was was unbelievable and yeah. then the build up play from that like working out from the back and then the finish from De Jong but yeah I had 37 passes I think you told me you told me the weekend about Carlos Alberto's famous goal. How many passes did
0: that (laughs) have? It would surprise people. So I'm going to get, if you're listening, I want you to think about this while I ramble on for a bit. How many passes do you think Carlos Alberto, the the famous one in the 1970 World Cup against Brazil, how many passes did they have from when they robbed the ball from Italy until they scored the goal? It reminded me of a goal that Argentina scored against Serbia and Montenegro. 2006 World Cup, which can be goal. It was their second goal in that game. What's his face? Scored the first one. Maxi Rodriguez scored the first one. I think it was like 14 or 15 passes. And you thought, this is brilliant. And then they scored this one. 25 passes, that was, in this goal. And I thought, I'm never going to see a goal with as many passes as that again. Uh, and Sevilla scored one with 37 passes. It's just absolutely incredible. Now, Carlos Alberto, people have compared compared it to this. Obviously a different context, it's not a World Cup final, it's not a Champions League game, it's a going against a struggling uh, Valencia team, so 37 passes or whatever. People compared to the Carlos Alberto goal, nine passes there were in the Carlos Alberto goal. Nine. Yeah, I You that. always think it's more, don't
1: you? I remember when you asked me, by the way you asked, I thought, okay, this is probably going to be surprisingly low, but if someone had just asked me randomly, I would have said, mid-20s at least I would have said 20 probably yeah 20 to 25 maybe
0: I think probably the biggest factor back in 1970 was that there wasn't the pressing that there would be now like Valencia are constantly pressing them so they've got to get rid of the ball faster and when you look at the way Brazil approached that like the the amount of touches that a lot of the guys have like it's way more than what you would get nowadays um, they were that good that they could get away with that kind of stuff um, like Jairzinho dribbles the ball for like 15 metres at one point and stuff like that so that wouldn't really happen nowadays um, That's true. Yeah. It's so it's a like, it's, a, it's it's a difficult thing, but that that team was so good that they've they've been called the greatest international team ever for a reason. You know, they they were that good, and Italy were knackered at that point as well. And I don't know. Going back to goals of the season. Oh have yes. been Any other any other standouts for you? Any any honourable mentions? Been a few. I, I, probably favourite goals. I'd go back to that game in November with Barcelona Osasuna. Two crackers in the same game. Messi scored in that goal, which was a replica of one that Maradona scored for Newells. Yeah. Oh boys. Cuts in from the right-hand side, beats a couple of players, and then puts it in the top corner. And just because of the kind of weird trivia of that, he takes his top off and he has the Newells top on, scores a replica of the Maradona goal that he also scored for Newells. I quite like that one. In the same game, Griezmann's volley...
1: Quality. Yeah, absolute balder.
0: So you've got that one, and then another one, which was again at the end of the season. Uh, it was in December, chair for stuff like that against Abar, and off, and off the crossbar. I just love goals that go in off oh, the post. Something so special. <laughs> <laughs> it's just extra satisfying when it comes in off the bar. That's it. So I'm going to go for those three: Barenice's, uh strike against Abar and and the the two kind of long di- distance goals in, in that in that Barcelona game. I think just the contrast because the, the on goal was just pass, pass, pass. So I think I would uh, I would put those as my favourite goals of the season. Not necessarily the the best, but just my just my favourite ones. I would say. Um, but yeah, well, just in the time we have left, let's have a quick preview of the of the weekend of the weekend's games. So, just are there any that jump out at you? We always do this uh, towards the end of the show. Any games that you would recommend people watch or that you're going to watch? I mean, on Saturday, Saturday at nine o'clock, uh, Sevilla against Getafe.
1: Let's just let's see if if Sevilla can keep up this run. And yeah, I mean, like we've we've been. Uh, very very favourable to Sevilla this pod. So let's let's see how they do. But also Getafe with their new with the new lonies with uh, with Kubo and Alenia, be interesting to see how they play. So I don't know that could be that could be a good one to watch. I mean, I'd expect I'd expect Sevilla to to put them away. But could be could be tougher than than you expect if the new signs have been an impact. Yep. Despite kind of Getafe's struggles this season.
0: Yeah yeah, Getafe really not where they should be at the moment. But it's. Uh and I think the, the new signs that they brought in will always be interesting to watch and always watch Kubo. he's just yeah. always good to watch so see so yeah, how they do I think that's a good shout um, I'm going to be a little bit boring and say Real Madrid against Huesca just because you should always watch the big teams anyway but Huesca are, have actually been playing some all right stuff despite the fact that they're balling the table they always try and play nice football They could, they're entertaining to watch also, just out of pure curiosity, I want to see how Madrid line up in this game, because they've got a few defensive headaches. Zidane has a few defensive headaches ahead of this game. Mark had an article about this on, on Tuesday, actually. you Ramos, Nacho and Lucas, at the time of recording, all unavailable for the game against Huesca, uh, as is Eder Militao, obviously, who's, who's suspended. So they're really short at the back, and it means that they've actually for available players again at the time that we recorded this available players they've only got one centre half which is Varane so the right back in theory this is how I think it would line up I think it would be Odrio Sola right back I think it would be Varane centre half and then you have two left backs available you've got Marcelo and we all know what happens when he starts games <laughs> he's got <laughs> we don't want to the we don't want to yeah it's very unfortunate. very unfortunate record Marcelo I mean do you start him at centre half do you start Mendy at centre half or you bring up a guy from Castilla from the from the B team to come in and replace him there's talk of this guy Marvel coming in um, I mean I don't know it, it would be cool just to see how they approach the game I think you're going to have at least a few guys from, from Castilla from the, 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 the second team on the bench so you might see a few guys from the future just at this one but I think Wesca they're rock bottom on the table but they, they're, they are good to watch and they're playing a Madrid team who's so-so and there's a really weakened defence. By the time you listen to this, maybe it's on, on, on match day or something like that. Um the situation may well have changed and maybe somebody will come back, maybe Ramos will be fit again or, or something, but I don't know. I think it just looks exciting. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be an exciting watch without a doubt. Yeah. Um any other games jump out at you? Yeah. Better to Barcelona.
1: Yeah, I always I always like I always like to watch Bilbao, but Bilbao Valencia be good, but yeah, Betis Barcelona like you mentioned as well. I mean Pellegrini, they've kind of they've they've hit a bit of form. Betis now they're kind of they're they're just outside just outside Europa spots. They're seventh, so, though they're they're pushing for Europe against a Barca team who who are picking up picking up a lot of form as well. So yeah, Betis are always great to watch. Could be a good in, show. Yeah. In the last seven, they've they've quite quite good form. In the last seven, they've four wins, two draws, and just the one loss. So I don't know. They could. They're not. They're not necessarily a. A banana skin team for Barca, but they've had they've had one or two wins in the last few seasons.
0: They always make it difficult for they them, do. though. You know, they, they they do tend to be good games, and you're at the they're at the Beira Marine, they're at home. Um, you never know with that one. I think uh, that, that, that's usually a good one to watch. I'm going by the form of the last few seasons. Always watch that game. Always, always good. Betis have have the odd kind of frailty. Hopefully, just this is me showing my own personal opinion I hope Pellegrini stays and that he's able to build on that team in the summer, I know he's limited in terms of what he can do for the reasons that we've, that we've articulated but I would love to see him get another crack at this because they started off so well they slumped a bit in the, in the middle part of, of, of last year uh, they were actually beginning to look a bit more like Ruby's Betis or, or Setien second season Betis and you thought Pellegrini could be out the door here Unfortunately for for Pell and Green they've really picked up form again, and as you say, they're they're looking decent. And um, I think they would fancy their chances against Barcelona. I think it could be, I think it could be a really good one to watch. That's on Sunday at eight o'clock British and Irish time, nine o'clock Spanish time, and Athletic versus Valencia. Uh, just because uh, yeah, I think two, it could be good. two great teams, two great <laughs> teams, <laughs> two great teams. Yeah, I think I would go for that. I think I would go for. A little bit boring this week. Madrid and Barcelona would be the, my my two picks to, to watch. Anyway, I think we've uh, we've been here for long enough. So we would like to thank you for joining us as always, and Cheers we'll see you. That, and we'll see you again. we well, we'll see you again in two weeks, and uh, we'll be back again with Reese next week. Uh, but yeah, thanks a lot for coming, Cheers. and we will see you again soon. Adiós. Hasta luego.